This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. For our guest today, we're honored, and I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Lord Globerman. For over 30 years, Dr. Globerman, a Manhattan-based psychologist, psychotherapist, and expert in business-related stress management and behavior change, has helped patients both adolescents and adults achieve a wide variety of personal and professional goals. This is really neat. Recognizing that emotional intelligence, EQ, more than IQ, is responsible for an individual's success in life, Dr. Globman designed the HPP, or Hypno-Peripheral Processing Program, and audio programs to help people channel emotion into successful behavior. You can find them on the web at hppcds.com again that's hppcds.com dr globerman lloyd terrific to have you on the show thank you very much for being here truly well thank you for inviting me i am i am delighted to be here and to talk with you and your listeners excellent we'll start with the a bit of a story uh, on um, the mirroring of all things. We talked a little in our, our digital green room about a mirror and an experience that you have is um, I find it really fascinating to mirror if you're able to be aware of one, of yourself or one is aware of oneself, particularly in our show, the architecture and innovation program, which uh, it, people are, we need to have that. That's that, that at the professional level, how important is that to be aware that you're aware in, in life, in your experience, so to speak, meta meta awareness. Uh, it's um, I wouldn't say it is essential, but it certainly would be a lifestyle skill that will benefit you more than anything would benefit you because we're aware of our experience, we're aware of our identity, but so much is happening inside of our head that tends to kind of by virtue of its omnipresence, we're not aware of stuff that happens, okay? We talk to ourselves a lot. In fact, so much that we don't know that we're having this dialogue all the time. And sometimes it's, it's very, it's, it, it could actually get in the way of, um, of health-related things. Uh, have you ever had the experience of uh, getting food caught in your throat? Sure. We've all had that, right? Yes. Right. People who've had extreme versions of that needed the Heimlich maneuver to disrupt that. <laughs> Have you ever had anybody explain how that happens when breathing, when talking and eating don't occur simultaneously? Right? No. You'll see just people eating and all of a sudden, what's going on? I will tell you what is going on. In their head, they're having a conversation with somebody. And interestingly enough, the rhythm of speaking and breathing occurs 
while we are talking in our head, just like if we were talking in the world with our voices. So what happens is if you're eating and you're talking to somebody, what will happen is that the windpipe will open up a little bit because the rhythm of breathing and talking manifests itself even in your head while you're not actually talking out loud. Hence, food gets sucked into the windpipe while you're talking to yourself or while you're talking to the other person in your head. But nobody ever remembers that because it becomes a life-threatening information creating complete amnesia for what preceded it. Next time, anybody listening right now is going to remember this particular thing, especially for themselves. They'll go, wow, that's right. I was talking to myself, talking out loud in my head. And that's what happens. So many events like that are occurring because we're talking so much of the time in our heads to people, to ourselves. We don't notice stuff. So much of being in therapy is noticing those conversations that you have so you can begin to distinguish what's influencing you in positive ways and what is doing so in negative ways. That's the whole basis of cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Change the pattern of your thoughts. But this is going on regardless of whether you're in therapy or not. The whole idea is, can you utilize this pattern, this process to make changes for yourself? Part of what I'm doing with uh, the, a lifestyle intelligence program that I'm working on that includes the HPP programs as a back-end product is to help people understand how to take charge of the fundamental, the, the foundational elements of their life, which is eating, sleeping, and moving. How do you manage those areas so that you can be in the best fundamental shape you can be? Health-related shape, physical shape, because then emotionally and intellectually, you can function at an optimal level. Those core elements are essential. So any way that, that can be used to impact sleeping, eating, moving, will positively impact on emotionally related issues and performance, which obviously is something that you're interested in, your listeners are interested in. Everything is an ecosystem. Eating, sleeping, and moving is an ecosystem. IQ, EQ, and LQ, lifestyle intelligence, that's an ecosystem. So we are continually involved with bits and pieces of things where information is going back and forth. And um, being aware of as much as you can can be very useful. <laughs> I threw a lot at you, but hopefully it may, I made some sense. It does. It does. It did. And it will. That change the pattern of your thoughts. Uh-huh. Can you explain and share with your the, your audience today um, what that means in, in you know a, a, a skill or something something they can leverage as we speak that changing a pattern of the, of a negative thought? Well, the, the the first thing that has to happen is being aware that the negative thought is happening because so often people have this thought process occurring. It's so frequent that it goes unnoticed until you slow them down and they think, walk, walk me through what just happened in your head. I mean, in, in therapy, if you're looking at a client, you're looking at their facial expression, okay? And you know, because you're looking at them, something just happened. So the question is, what were you just thinking? And until I ask that question, they're not paying any attention to it. 
right? So if you're in the world and suddenly something is happening and you're not feeling quite right, run the tape backwards a little bit and then forward and you'll see what you responded to and how you responded to it. Because things are always shifting around and once you begin to notice the rhythms of the emotions you experience and the context in which they occur, then you have some leverage with yourself to be able to take a step back and pause. Single most important skill to learn about anything is when to just stop. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't move. Just allow that moment to pass because that interrupts the old programming and gives you an opportunity to choose a different path to express yourself. There's a lot of nuances to this. Yes, there is. And I'll say something for our audience's sake to maybe simplify it. Um, for my mind as well, if you don't mind being selfish no, for a moment, is please. there's a, um, uh, I don't remember what year, what Olympics, it's most definitely most recently, is the uh, British rowing team had a quote that they used, all, all the uh, the people have used, or a mantra, so to speak, and it was, and everything they do, does this make the boat go faster? The reason why they did it, because they've had a poor performance for a hundred some odd years in rowing. And they have new coach, new people, and it's like we we got to stop this. You know, just we're just embarrassing ourselves in rowing at the Olympics. And so everything they did for the four years leading up to one of the last Olympics was: Will this make the boat go faster? Does this make everything like you? Where you said, if I sleep this much, will it make the boat go? If I eat these foods, will it make the boat go? Everything had to do with will it make the go go faster? Well, they ended up winning the gold medal in the Olympics following that phrase with everything they did in their lives, all the members was about, will this make the boat go faster? Again, what they ate, what they talked, who they met with, who they slept, where they slept, where they worked out when they rested, everything had to do, will this make the boat go faster? And everything to their mind, when it did it, they did, they made that choice. Is there a way to simplistically or be simple to describe what that might be in your practice and your profession? of doing that practice in terms of improving the quality of their, their lives. Yeah. It's, it's an affirmation or a mantra or it, it, I don't know what it is. It sounds so simple, but it really, if we do that in our own lives, I would think like, how, how could you not improve? One of the most interesting bits and pieces of things I, um, that I, that I work with and have, have written about in terms of the lifestyle intelligence thing is the, uh, the ability of people to run cons on themselves. The, that, that little voice in the back of the head, you'll, you'll say to yourself, you know, okay, I'm hungry. What should I eat? And they'll go into a store and there'll be a bunch of junk food there. And they say, eh, it's junk food. Ah, but it's only one meal. No big deal, right? How many moments in time do people run that kind of thing on themselves, right? Exercise it. I've, I've long ago realized that the only way to keep doing that consistently is never allow myself to negotiate. There's, there is no negotiation. If I'm not injured or if I'm not on an airplane, I have to do this. It's as simple as that. No negotiation. Certain things should fall into that category, right? Because otherwise you don't know how to prioritize anything. Obviously the lifestyle issues are critical because that's functioning on, on every level. And there is so much of that, right? Oh, and, and you know what's really difficult for people? When they are, they're chosen something that they're going to do. 
And they work really hard to get there. And they do. Let's say it's a weight loss thing because that's most typical. So they lose that 20 pounds. They don't know that the most difficult part of all of that hasn't happened yet. Because now you're already there. How do I stay here? It's a totally different mindset because the journey presumably has been over. You got to where you wanted to go. The goal was reached. However, now it's sustaining it. And that's where people have a lot of problems. That's why, that's why there are so many diets. That's where there are so many weight loss plans. How many people have gained and lost so many thousands of tens of millions of pounds of weight, gained it back? Staying there is what life's all about. Consistently doing what you know you have to do. Right? How do we make the boat go faster? How do we continue to make the boat continue to be the boat in the water? How do we keep it going? How do we keep this project going? It's all about next. And next is hard for people because it's easier when it's, when it's structured. Clunk, clunk, clunk. But then, oh, I'm here. Now I have to have a different conversation with myself. And we're back to that self-talk kind of thing. Becomes difficult for people. Fascinating. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Sirclad. We're talking today with Dr. Lloyd Globerman, creator and founder of the Hypno Peripheral Processing Program. For more information, feel free to visit the website at hppcds.com. Again, that's hppcds.com. Lloyd, the how do we stay there? What uh, without providing their whole the sauce of it, unless you, you choose to, how does one stay with what they choose, choose to achieve? You need, you need to drop the focus to the day that each day is a journey on its own and that there are tasks to be done, behaviors to continue to get the outcome that you want. So you're not over a series of months anymore. You're simply focusing on each day is a piece on its own. The end of the day, you've succeeded. You did what you're supposed to do. You've got to narrow it down so that, because that's all, by the way, now is all we ever have. I mean, the, we are time travelers in our head. We remember the past. We imagine the future. But in actuality, the only thing that ever exists is right now, right? Regardless of which direction we're going in our head, it's still happening in the moment. So the whole idea is the focus has to shift to the day, each day. What am I supposed to do? Each task I completed, I feel good, right? I work out, I make sure I get enough sleep. My, my nutrition is of high quality. Then, then the relationships that you have are going to be much better because your emotional states are gonna be cleaner. There's not gonna be any edge, which usually occurs when people are sleep deprived or even if they eat crummy food, there's always going to be that little bit of edge, which functions as um, factors that are detrimental to relationships. And of course, in addition to, to the emotional issues, you get sleep deprivation into the mix. You don't think very well. Clarity gets lost. Intellectual energy is diminished. So everything boils down to the foundational stuff, and when that's in place, your emotional stuff can be taken care of 
intellectually you can function optimally. This doesn't mean, by the way, everything's great all the time because that would be lunacy to think that way. But you want to give yourself the best opportunity to be the best representation of yourself that's possible. We all owe that to ourselves, right? We're not here for a long period of time. Jump on board yourself and say, what, what can I do? What's the best possible outcome? But that's all we, any of us can ever want. You know? Max out what you got. Most of the time, I've been doing therapy for decades. Most, virtually everybody I've ever worked with underestimated what they were capable of to a person. So everybody who's listening right now, you can do a lot more than you realize. It's time to organize yourself in ways that that can happen. So hence why I've been working with the lifestyle intelligence model to help people deal with those issues as a way of creating the foundation, the platform for the kinds of changes that they want to make in their life. You, you do the eating, sleeping, moving stuff, you get it in place. Now you've got a shot at stuff, right? Now it's time for a little bit of risk taking. To my mind, risk taking shouldn't be done often, but there should be moments in time in your life where you take risks, right? Every so often, that's the thing to do. Not a lot, just enough. Now, when, it, when will it be? You'll know. Yeah. I'm going to try this. I've always wanted to do this. I'm in a place where I can. Let me, let me see whether I can do something that will call attention to itself in a positive way. I think I have this skill. Test it out. There you go. Yeah. That's terrific. I mean, I, I know from my own experience. <laughs> if somebody <laughs> would be telling me like, like decades ago that I'm be sitting here talking to you about my work, I, I would have thought they were out of their mind. And it would have scared me because I would not have been prepared for anything remotely like that in my head at that time. Like, I can't do that. I don't have anything unique to say, right? Fortunately, I do, <laughs> but I would not have believed it back then. So timing is everything. Timing is everything. On that timing note, I've called the, I call it the a few good men moment is if, if you recall the movie, I'll say a couple of them as references is that the Jack Nicholson, when he was up on the stand and they said, you don't have uh, what was it? Uh, uh, you can't handle the truth. You remember that? Oh, the, sure, movie? Sure, sure. Okay. So, yeah. That movie. And then there's another one, an officer and a gentleman with Richard Gere, where the uh, Lewis Gossett, the Sergeant was just doing everything he could to get him out of the, out of the army or out of the service. I'm mean, just watering and hosing down. And he said, you know, why do you keep going? Why do you keep going? And he says, cause I got nowhere to go. And I, what I, what I get from those is not what so much as what they say is when you get to a person, everybody has these moments where, you know, what is the real reason for this? What is the real reason for that? And when you get to that sort of truth where you have nowhere else to go, but just to, you just let it out no matter what happens to you and you let that out, uh, how important is that a factor in inserting a new positive behavior to where you reach that state of just, uh, he, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, and, and I have nowhere else to go, and, and, and it just be so truthful with yourself and in and, and the entire universe that, that you're able to slip in a positive behavioral change at that moment? Well, if, if that, I mean, that means you've been ready to do it, and finally okay. circumstances were such that a part of you in in the background just off stage said whoops you're on stage now <laughs> seriously that's what happens sometimes you know there's a part of you that says well nope sorry this is it boom boom and you say something and do something that you've never done before and go where did that come from one of the things that i've noticed about the uh, the audio technology that that i had been originally working with the peripheral processing stuff 
It was built for those kinds of moments, for the spontaneous occurrence to occur more frequently. Uh, and um, I've, I've heard all kinds of stories. I actually got a call from somebody who purchased my work decades ago and what <laughs> and after having used it all this time wanted to, to let me know that uh, they really they really found it useful and they finally just decided to call me <laughs> and say you know what we were, I really love this product and I continue using it thank you so much it was a gift from the gods for me it's like oh my goodness somebody you know what sometimes you get an unexpected gift and somebody appreciating your work out of nowhere that was one of one of those one of those moments that occurred yesterday <laughs> oh great yeah oh great What's your way, thought on? Go ahead. Uh, uh, on unlearning, because this is there's a lot of unlearning with this, in my opinion. Is that accurate or not? Well, yeah, but the 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 most important part is if you have something now that works better, you're much more likely to employ whatever that emotional or behavioral skill is, and what will happen is the other stuff that was tends to be dysfunctional will tend to kind of drift out of the way because you won't get, because you're getting better outcomes and using a, an old behavioristic concept of reinforcement. If what you're doing now is rewarding you more than what you did before, you're going to keep doing it. So if the outcome changes, you're probably going to keep doing the new behavior, whatever, whatever that might be. That might be just responding to somebody in a nice, calm way. <laughs> for the first time, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, maybe like a, a parent who spent way too much time yelling at their kids and suddenly changed the pattern around a little bit. And the kid goes into a trance state because mommy's not yelling. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? You know, I mean, those kinds of moments can be life altering, but people can make changes in their life. And they need to do that first little thing that happens that sets the stage for others to occur subsequently. Like I said, we're all capable of much more than we realize. At what point did going, you going, recognize Going that? to the, um, the peripheral processing concept, that was built on the idea that you can process information outside of awareness. That was fundamentally structured that way. So everything that I want you to learn is structured so that your conscious mind doesn't hear it, kind of runs contrary to everything people think about learning, right? I tell you stories, adult fairy tales. Most of the time while you're listening, you hear two stories simultaneously, a different story in each ear. Now, I've explained this literally thousands of times to people. And the minute I say two stories simultaneously, bewilderment shows up on people's faces like, what? But how am I going to follow two stories? And the answer is, you're not. I don't want you to. Because what happens is everything is done so slowly and in such a pleasant way with music in the background that eventually your conscious mind, the part of you that's listening to me right now, drifts away. The first thing that happens is you release all the tension in your body automatically. As a stress management tool, 
It really does some amazing things. Then, using the words and the phrases from the stories, I form direct suggestions for positive changes in the way you think, the way you feel, the way you sense, and the way you behave. Those stories, those dual stories play for 15 minutes, they stop simultaneously, and then the story that started everything, which was a, a Joseph Campbell myth of the hero, person with a problem goes out into the world, meets a sorcerer, and that's when the two stories start, but then you come back to the beginning story, story and the main character is, is told that he's learned new thoughts, new feelings, sensations, and behaviors. The listener picks up bits and pieces of stuff that's very valuable for them. And all the suggestions are generic. For instance, if there's going to be a program about procrastination, there's a suggestion, finish the task, embedded in all of that. Now, that doesn't tell you in any way, shape or form what it is you should be doing, right? But you know what's important to you and you know there's a task you should have finished you haven't done yet. So everything is built on the idea that once you get people into that state in between waking and sleep, the hypnagogic state, they're receptive. And that's why this, these programs tend to be obviously very different from other stuff, but useful because they offer you an opportunity to max out the potential your brain has for processing information without your conscious mind having to do anything at all. Weird stuff, right? No, it's terrific. <laughs> It's, no, it's, 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 yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it. By the way, do you know where this came from? This no, idea I'd, came I'd love from? to hear. I, this is one of those stories that is hard to believe. Do you remember, you're old enough to remember an author by the name of Carlos Castaneda? Yes, I do. Right. He was a, presumably an anthropologist. Presumably, I mean, he had his own story, but we will leave that off to the side. Presumably, during his anthropological studies, he went to Mexico and studied under a Yaqui Indian sorcerer by the name of Don Juan. And there is a scene in, I think it's volume three, where Carlos, young Carlos, is sitting on the edge of an abyss with Don Juan and his uh, uh, apprentice or, or cohort, Don Gennaro. And the two sorcerers are talking simultaneously to Carlos doing what was considered the world's first dual hypnotic induction, right? From there, people in the hypnotic business said, you know, that looks like a really good idea to use as a strategy. And then that got woven into the fabric of some hypnotists who, who, who did workshops where there was more than one person. So you could do something like that. But when I heard, when I read that and heard about the concept being used hypnotically, I said, hmm, this is interesting. And then I started thinking about how to do it. I bought myself a four track recording machine and I went to my office on Sundays and started playing around with stuff. And slowly over a couple of years, I developed something which I've just described to you. It took a while to figure out how to do it right. By the way, a lot of dead ends along the way, but I said, I still like the idea. I think, I think this can be useful. It took a while, but I made the right choice. 
definitely. And it you put your uh, what you shared with us early, earlier that um, you got to the point of okay, now that you've accomplished, achieved it, now what what what's the next step? And it took me a while to figure out what did I wanted to do next, but it all evolved out of my own personal life, making changes in the structure of the ecosystem of eating, sleeping, and moving, the three most important pieces in our lives. It took me a while because, I mean, I grew up in the 50s and 60s where there was nutrition meant you had enough to eat. Sleep, sleep was an annoyance that you had to do so you wouldn't fall asleep in the middle of the afternoon. And uh, exercise was something you did in gym. There was no understanding of taking care of yourself back then. So I did everything wrong. And as a consequence, when I finally understood these issues, I began to make changes and I realized, well, I got to figure out a way to share what I finally understood how to do. And slowly but surely, I decided that this was actually an intelligence that we were born with, right? Eating, sleeping and moving were the things that <laughs> infants didn't have any problems doing. They knew when to sleep and when to get up. They knew when to eat. They knew when to stop eating. They didn't have confusion about these things. It's only as we grew up in families with rules that we learned about how to forget everything we once were born with. And this is a relearning thing about the sensation, the, the sensory information that's available. The whole idea right now that I'm, deal I'm dealing with this concept of lifestyle intelligence, LQ, built on what the EQ people did with emotional intelligence because that was a brilliant idea. So I'm trying to add to the mix by using that same model because it, it makes it a different language, literally, for people to pay attention to. I mean, everybody knows about eating, sleeping, and moving, but I don't think anybody thought about it as an intelligence, an ecosystem of intelligence. So what I've done is I've created an app where five days a week, for three minutes a day, I show up. And I talk to you about one of these pieces and what, how you should be thinking about something. Had you thought about the fact that, do you know, while you sleep, your brain cleans itself? Now, this was a piece of information that I came across in 2019. When I read that, I said to myself, this has got to go viral. I mean, this has to, this has to be all over the place. And everybody will be talking about the importance of sleep because we all know what happens if you don't clean your brain, what the probability, probability is of some really bad things happening to your mental capacities, right? All right. How often do you hear that now? <laughs> Never. Seriously. So I said to myself, okay, I am going to be the delivery system for this information. I'm going to talk to you five days a week, provide you with motivation, and information so that you can begin to alter your life in ways that need to be altered. Your choices, but I'm going to keep hammering away. I'm going to come at you from different angles about eating, sleeping, and moving because the information is such that, I mean, you could talk, you can put on 20 to 30 additional quality years to your life if you do it right. But we get so sloppy, right? I mean, you're talking, about, talk, talking to yourself about how you can pretend that what's do, what you're doing is, oh, don't worry, I have time to do that. It's okay. Yeah, I understand that, but I can, I can do this. I can do that. No, especially when it comes to sleep. Sleep's the most important thing we do. Absolutely, unequivocally. So 
That's <laughs> that's my lecture on what people need to do to focus on. Those things have to come first. Once they're there, you can then focus on being the best representation of yourself because all your resources will be available and you'll start taking chances to do stuff that you know you want to do. Excellent. Lloyd, Dr. Glauberman, thank you very much. It's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show today. It's, thank you it's, it's again, been a delight. truly. Anytime you want me to come back, I'd love to. I enjoyed, I enjoyed being with you, meeting you, and talking with you. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you very, thank you very much. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast with Sierra Clad. Our guest today has been Dr. Lloyd Glauberman, a Manhattan-based psychologist, psychotherapist, and expert in business-related stress management and behavior change, who's helped patients, both adolescents and adults, as well, of course, professionals achieve a wide variety of personal and professional goals, recognizing that emotional intelligence, EQ, more than IQ, is responsible for an individual's success in life. He designed the HPP, the Hypno-Peripheral Processing Program, an audio program to help people channel emotion into successful behavior. For more information and for the LQ to that EQ and IQ, feel free to visit the website of hppcds.com. Again, that's hppcds.com. Thank you for listening.